Welcome to the White Spring Bunker. These halls were built to safeguard some of the most prestigious members of the United States government. Now we are all that remains. Though we are always looking for men and women capable of helping us restore what has been lost. In return, we offer this, our refuge from the world above. Please, take your time and look around. We've made great efforts to restore this place to its former glory. Welcome, member, to our little enclave. Welcome back, members. As always, I am the Operative, your designated tour guide and host here at the White Spring. Team Alpha has returned to the bunker from Atlas, and the new enclave anxiously awaits news from the infirmary on the status of the colonel. White Spring Operational Terminal, Medical Log, M9T23, Subject, Lieutenant Colonel Valeria, Status Update, Medical Summary, Dr. Patricia Harefield, Medical Protectron, Gamma India. Patient was brought to our medical facility suffering from multiple wounds to extremities, a severe concussion, and a series of deep lacerations to the right side of the face and damage to the right eye socket. Major Lilith refused to leave the colonel's side during our initial examination. When we attempted to prep for surgery, the Major again refused to leave. We were forced to call on three Assaultron units to forcibly eject the Major from the medical wing. Note, logistics staff are still attempting to repair Assaultron units Alpha Delta 6 and Bravo Charlie 9. Our medical bots were able to tend to most of the Colonel's injuries. However, their programming was not fine enough to allow them to address the facial wounds. A deep set of lacerations radiating from the hairline down to the cheekbone compromised the integrity of the right eye and eye socket. Even with my superior skills, we were unable to save the eye and were forced to remove it entirely after the rapid onset of an unknown infection. After completing our work, the patient was moved to recovery in the small ICU facility, and we expect her to regain consciousness shortly. Modus has presented us with an option to replace the patient's right eye with a custom robotic optical unit. Although this was experimental technology pre-war, Modus appears confident that a replacement can be crafted in the production facility and be ready for implantation within a few months. Prognosis. Despite severe injuries, the patient should recover fully. Physically. Note, quite frankly, I'm surprised the colonel survived the trip back to the bunker. How she recovers from her injuries? Well, only time will tell. Hi, I'm Fire Rider, and I'm the host of The Pixel People, a podcast dedicated to taking a close look at our favorite characters from our favorite video games. From major characters who define the course of a game's storyline, to smaller characters who you might have never noticed. Every week, we go beyond the quest line to examine a particular character's story arc and choices, and discover the real-world parallels and life lessons hidden just below the surface. I hope you'll join us. You can find the Pixel People on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. The doctor said that the colonel was out of surgery. It was a close call. Fortunately, they couldn't save her eye. I wonder how she's going to deal with the news when she wakes up. A miracle she made it this far all the way out to the bunker without dying. Maybe like her mind said, she's too damn stubborn to die. It took some convincing, but they let me into the observation room. They couldn't say when the colonel would wake up. Could be a while. Could be days. Weeks. I feared months, but that was highly unlikely. She looks like hell, though. Bandaged to the nines. Stimpaks helped, but we all know that they can't fix everything. Surprised that creature didn't take her head clean off. Those claws did real work on her face. She'll have scars to show for it, that's for sure. Lilith came in not long after. She had something behind her back. I couldn't really see what it was until she got close next to the bed. And there I saw it. Little teddy bear placed under the colonel's arm, and Lilith's hand put on Val's head. Just when I thought I figured her all out, the so-called monster surprises the hell out of me. The Major's been propped up in a chair in the corner ever since. She's barely left the colonel's side since all this happened. Lugged that power-armored behemoth all the way back to the White Spring, too. Managed to keep her from killing him, though I know she wanted to. It's probably a good thing the guy was out the entire time. I heard he finally woke up. Tough bastard. Managed to dent one of the Protectron before they got him into a holding cell. I'm getting a sense of deja vu just thinking about it. Hasn't said much. Modus is keeping him on ice until the Colonel's able to talk to him. I'll see what I can do about keeping Lilith distracted. Knowing her, I don't need her to getting antsy and breaking something that shouldn't be broken. But thinking about it, just how the hell did I end up right back where I started? Being responsible for people again. Do I even want to do this again? Just walking these halls bring back memories. Some good, a lot not so much. Of course to me, these memories are still fresh in my head. Sixteen years, they keep on telling me. Sixteen years of lost time. Sixteen years of lost people. President Chucklefucks, he was no great loss. Maybe if he hadn't had such a hard-on for the nukes, things might have been different. I can't say any of us were saints, though. We all did our fair share of the field work. But we really were trying to do the right thing. And then... Amongst them all, there was Molly. God, she was such a pain in my ass. Knew her ever since we were recruits. She was competitive as hell, too. Never let me live it down a single day we were together that she beat me out of my record at McClintock Obstacle Course. I swear to God she cheated, but I could never really prove it. She already knew she was getting assigned to the White Spring. Her dad... Real hard-ass general was getting posted and pulled the necessary strings. At the time, none of us really heard what the Enclave was. We all thought it was Free State's propaganda. But when I had been assigned here too, Crash Course was an understatement. 
Not to say everyone bought into the program. Private Jimmy. There was a real hothead and a little bit of a hippie too. He disappeared one night after expressing some discourteous views about the new assignment. A couple others got reassigned. Hurt Samson ended up on an oil rig somewhere, but since we lost connection with them, honest to God, who knows? There was a lot of talk in the bunker after the war. Maybe some of it was true, maybe some of it not. I wasn't getting paid to listen to gossip. I just had my job to do. Found out later that Molly had pulled some strings of her own to get me this assignment. I was supposed to have gone to Chicago, some other enclave facility out there. After all that, then the war, Molly managed to get the nerve to tell me how she felt. I don't think her father ever really approved of me. Then again, he died a few years later, dropped dead of a heart attack. I keep on thinking that he was probably the lucky one. That led Santiago getting promoted, and what came after. Molly started really souring on things after her dad died. I mean, we still loved each other, to a degree. And then we found out she was expecting. We had more than a few arguments over field assignments. Maybe she wanted to keep me safe, but I found being outside a lot better. I never really had a problem with the work we did. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Though, maybe we should have tried to help the people more. There was a lot of crazy shit going on out there. But orders were orders, and we had to stay under wraps. We'd been arguing that morning. She heard about some experiment Chucklefox wanted to run. She said she didn't want to raise a daughter in a place where they just wanted to start the war all over again. I hadn't known the sex of the baby. I guess she was going to surprise me, but instead we were yelling at each other like children. That was commonplace too, and a few of the officers always turned their heads after we were done with the argument. Later that day, I caught sight of Santiago in the hallway. I hadn't seen her in forever. I knew she was confined to the quarters, something down in medical. But it was her all right, her officers, and then I saw Molly with them. It didn't take a genius to see that they were out for blood. You could see it in their eyes. Tried getting her attention, but Molly just glared and walked away. The Major, he got into a, my face and made it clear I had a choice to make. They were arresting Eckhart, putting an end to everything, including Modus. What a stupid idea, I thought. I knew enough about the AI that he wouldn't take it that well. Maybe he'd be fine with getting rid of Chucklefuck, but blowing them up? That wouldn't end well. I had to do something. Not just me or Molly, but for her daughter. I ran down to the server room, and I found a couple of the Major's men finishing up the charges. I wasn't... Damn it. Damn it all the hell if I wasn't forced to kill them. I didn't want to. They had no idea what they were doing. I could hear the coup going down over the intercom. I heard Molly yelling at Eckhart. If I didn't love that lady. Hard head. But her heart was always in the right place. Had to get those charges disabled. Maybe. Just maybe. We could have had a chance. I could tell those army pukes had no idea what they were doing. They placed the explosives in flashy spots, not in the right ones. 
They started cutting the wires. Then... Darkness. Was the last thing I remember. After I woke up, Modus wasn't entirely clear on what happened. He did say everyone died. Chuckle fucks. The good guys. The bad guys. Molly. My daughter. All dead. And here I am. It's a new enclave, led by a girl not too much older than what my daughter would have been. Maybe it's a chance to fix the mistakes of my past. I bet Molly would want me to do something after, instead of just rolling over and dying. Seeing the colonel there, and Lilith by her side, maybe it's just a life worth living after all. Molly, wherever you are, I just hope you and our daughter are looking down at me. And watching, I miss you every day. Long gone are the days where people sing about West Virginia as almost heaven. After nuclear war and disease, it's far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story podcast, is a tale of survival, conflict and hope set in the Fallout 76 game world. Join our survivors on their journey to reach that almost heaven once more. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon and many other great podcasts and apps. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story, available now. to open my eyes. Everything was so fuzzy and I realized I'm only seeing half the picture and I can't see anything on the right side. It feels like my head is full of cotton balls. I reach up with my hand and run my fingers along the side of my head. Most of my hair has been shaved and there are bandages covering half of my face. I'm in a hospital. Well, some kind of medical facility. An enclave medical facility. I can see the modus terminal across from my bed. Blank now, but surely watching over me. Looking around as much as I can, the room is as spartan as I would have expected. Until I glance to the left, and there, propped up in the corner, sleeping in what looks to be a very uncomfortable chair, is Lilith. Boy, she looks like hell, which for her is really saying something. My throat is dry and my lips feel so chapped. I have no idea how long I've been here and everything before is so much of a blur. I know I'd been on a mission, but beyond that, I can't remember anything. Our patient is finally awake. Welcome back, Colonel. It 
It's Dr. Harefield. The name slowly bubbles up as the older doctor walks into the room, carrying her notepad and a pen tucked behind her ear. Doctor, what happened? You gave us quite a scare, Colonel. You've been unconscious for about a week now, but your vital signs have only been getting stronger and you're well on the road to recovery. I bring my hand back up to my face. Oh, that. Unfortunately, while most of your wounds weren't as bad, you suffered a severe slash to your face. There was a pretty nasty infection that set in, and although we tried, we couldn't save your eye, and it will take a couple of weeks for the wound to close fully. I must have gasped audibly. I know it sounds bad, Colonel, but Modus already has a solution. He's working on a robotic replacement eye we'll be able to implant in a couple of months. What? A replacement? Oh yes, some wonderful technology left over from an old pre-war DARPA project. Modus believes it will be even better than your original. And I'm sorry, Colonel, we did try all we could. In fact, if it wasn't for Major Lilith and the Sergeant, you might not have made it back at all. They helped carry you back all the way from Atlas. I'll tell you, they really changed the opinions of some people around here. Word is, Stein threw you on his back, shot and carved his way through the nest of ghouls, and got you to safety before radioing for assistance. Before the extraction team arrived, he had patched you up the best he could, and Lilith never left your side the entire time back to the bunker. I could hear the awe in her voice, which was certainly a change from the previous conversations about Lilith and Sergeant Stein. And that wasn't all. I guess you weren't alone down there. The Major also brought along another civilian, though by the looks of the power armor he had, we have our own doubts that he's ordinary by any stretch. We also haven't located any records of him for being from Vault 76 either. We might just have a real out-and-out -out survivor on our hands. This news, well, and the medications I'd been given, left me speechless. The doctor poured me a small cup of water and helped me take a drink from it. Here, Colonel, this should help. And yes, I also heard that it took several men to keep Lilith from taking this man's head off. I guess he was part of whatever happened down at the observatory. He was also unconscious when the team arrived. With your injuries, there wasn't time for a thorough interrogation, and he's been cooling his heels down at the brig since you both arrived. That will be all, Doctor. The Colonel requires rest, and there will be sufficient time later for a full briefing. Sorry, Modus, but I can say that the Colonel's recovering quite nicely. Let me just take a few last readings here, and I'll leave the two of you to talk. Colonel, it is a pleasure to see you awake. We were concerned, and your loss would have been a tremendous disappointment. Which is about as close to showing emotion as Modus could ever get, but I could appreciate the sentiment. We will let you rest now. However, we do wish to discuss these new developments with you, once you are up and moving about. And the screen flickered off. I lower my head again, laying it on the pillow behind me. I was a jumble of thoughts and emotions. At first I tried to sort out the memories I had. Slowly, pictures were coming together, but they were still unclear, disjointed, and at this point nonsensical. I seemed to remember some kind of explosion, but before or after, the memories don't fit together. There's a teddy bear under my arm. One I'd had in my room. I look over at Lilith, still slumped in the chair. But now her eyes were open, staring at me. 
I swear, I saw what could have been a smile. And I mean a real one. Not the kind I'd seen over and over before and after a fight. But something else. And as tired and worn as I was, and maybe just a little broken too, I smiled back. I have never been so humiliated in my life. Major, you know perfectly well that I can walk. Tooling me around in this wheelchair is completely unnecessary. And would you please stop with the giggling? The two of us must make quite the pair. Me, stuck in this godforsaken wheelchair, still bandaged to the hilt, and Major Lilith, decked out in a freshly laundered and pressed uniform. Of course, she's still got that ridiculous haircut and face paint. Well, we call it face paint in polite company. And I have no idea where she found it, but she's wearing one of those little nurse hats as well. Oh, and that damn giggle. <laughs> Doctor's orders, Val. You're not supposed to be up and around for a few more days, so you just better be glad Modus gave you permission to go see the prisoner. I scowl, sinking down in my chair, because I know she's right. It was just a few days ago that I even regained consciousness. Everything still hurts, some parts more than others, and I purposefully asked the doctor to start cutting back on my pain meds. And losing my eye, well, that was the worst. At least Modus offered a replacement, but with any tech, I'm going to see it for myself before I allow someone to wire it into my head. Oh, Val, you can't let the little things get you down. I mean, you're still here, and hell. The fact that you now owe me one was worth all that pain and aggravation of hauling your ass back here. Owe you one? If I hadn't stepped in, you'd be the one in a bed, or worse, on a slab. And from what I heard, Stein was the one who carried me most of the way. What were you thinking? I mean, attacking someone in a power armor suit with your bare hands? Yeah, I could tell that hurt. Her grin disappeared and she looked a bit pained herself. That's not fair, Val. He started it. I was lucky that scout armor absorbed most of it. That sledge of his also packed quite the wallop. But I wasn't going to let some tin can get the best of me. You would have been better off letting me have him. Oh, yeah. Well, next time when you decide to mix your explosives, please try to remember which ones are nuka grenades. We'd been through this before. When I was finally able to put the pieces back together and have a very pointed conversation with Lilith. Such a screw-up that put me in the hospital, blew a house-sized hole in a vital installation. But maybe... Just maybe. Gave us a bit of a silver lining in all this. So, here we are. The field commander of the Enclave in Appalachia. And a bit of a science experiment who just happens to be my best friend and almost sister. Going to see our prisoner. And damn, these bandages itch like hell. So he better be in a talking mood.
This is Charlie Transmutation coming to you with another PSA announcement. No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. What are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Alteris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. After sitting idle for years, the brig at the Enclave bunker had seen a revolving series of prisoners brought in for interrogation. It had taken several weeks for Modus to reactivate the facility, cleaning the dried blood and remains from the time of the original Enclave, but its use had already paid dividends and extracted information. Lieutenant Colonel Valeria very much appreciated one of their more recent recruits, a Dr. John Harker. A former Vault 76 resident, he had been an FBI profiler and trained coroner before the war. While he didn't have the opportunity to practice his trade in the Vault, now as a member of the new Enclave, he was proving to be an excellent interrogator. His grandfatherly appearance belied a certain ruthless intellect. Modus also found him to be a reasonably proficient chess player, which coming from one of the most advanced AIs in the world was quite the compliment. His techniques were mainly psychological, but when pressed he could deliver physical persuasion just as impactful as anything Lilith could accomplish in the field, if maybe not quite as bloody. The two of them, though in certain ways kindred spirits in the art of persuasion, constantly found themselves at odds, especially when Dr. Harker had to play cleanup after Major Lilith returned with the prisoner she had been toying with. In his mind, it made his job harder and necessitated him paying more good cop than he was fully comfortable with. The colonel had been forced to act as a referee on more than a few occasions, though as time went on, Major Lilith was assigned to operations and interrogations which required less subtlety, mostly in the field. Well, the good doctor could practice his art on subjects brought back by the other teams. Well, not the most ideal situation. It did reduce friction. Rounding the corner into the brig, Dr. Harker was busy, heads down on his terminal, updating his latest case notes with prisoner updates. Good morning, Dr. Harker. Sorry to bother you, but we're here to see prisoner A-105, please. The doctor looked up from his terminal, smiled at the colonel, and frowned at the major. Good day to you too, colonel. It's great to see you up and about. I hope everything is healing satisfactorily. It's fine my face still itches like you wouldn't believe. But as soon as I can convince Modus that this abomination of a wheelchair is no longer necessary, I'll be right back to work. How have things been here? Oh, the usual, for the most part. Field operations being scaled back since your injury, we've been pretty quiet around here. Of course, our guest down in number four hasn't said all that much, and Modus asked that we provide the white glove treatment until we could learn a bit more about him. No reason to act like savages if we don't need to. Has he said anything at all? Any idea where he's from? Well, he said very little. He said he only wants to talk to the commanding officer. Funny thing, though. He did say something interesting a few days ago. He asked if there was a Colonel Santiago around here. And with those words, the colonel abruptly sat up from the wheelchair. What did he say, exactly? Colonel. I mean... I was attempting to ask the subject questions, which he answered in only the most general way, 
revealing not much of anything. But when we got to the end, he asked me when he'd get the opportunity to meet the CO of this place. I told him that he would meet the Colonel eventually, and his eyes lit up a bit when I said that. And then he asked if Colonel Santiago was around. When I told him no, he shut down again and refused to answer any other questions. Being relatively new, Dr. Harker hadn't received the full briefing on the history of the Enclave before Reclamation Day. He didn't know what happened to the previous bunker residents, and definitely not about Colonel Santiago and her attempted coup against President Eckhart. And now was not the time to start a detailed discussion about the past. Doctor, I'll want to speak with the prisoner right now. Please have him brought down to interrogation room A. The Major and I will question him alone. Um, Colonel, are you sure that's wise? I mean, we've been hands-off up to this point. If you're intending to... No, Doctor. I just want to ask him some questions. I want the Major there solely because she was the one who made first contact with the prisoner. Well, I mean, I still want to wring his scrawny little neck. Enough of that, Lilith. We're here to be productive. If you can't control yourself, then I'll wheel myself in there and you can stay with the doctor. The Major looked down at the Colonel and then back up to Dr. Harker, who had a smirk on his face. Okay, Val. I'll behave. We'll wait in the interrogation room, Doctor. Major Lilith pushed the wheelchair down the corridor, tilting her head back and sticking her tongue out at the doctor before rounding the corner to the interrogation wing. Lilith, you'll have to do a better job of controlling yourself, at least here in the bunker. You've earned a bit of goodwill here with the staff. Don't squander it. I just can't stand that know-it-all. He really gets under my skin. Doesn't approve of my methods, even though I get the best results. He's just an old fart. That old fart is still the best interrogator we have, present company excluded. And he gets the job done when we want to make sure the person of interest stays in one piece. Understand? <sighs> it's bad enough I have you escorting me around, but you're not making this any easier. My suitors itch like the dickens. When they reached the interrogation room, Major Lilith helped the colonel into a padded chair across from a small nondescript table. Modus would be recording everything, so there was no need for paper, pens, or pencils. This was going to be strictly a question-and-answer session. The Major settled into another chair in the corner, resuming her normal fidgeting. Colonel Valeria spread her hands out on the table, focusing her thoughts. Their prisoner would be in shortly, and then it would be time to find out exactly who he was, how the hell he turned up in Appalachia, and whatever else they needed to know. As far as they'd known, the Scorched Plague wiped out everyone in the region, and yet here was a survivor. It was time for some answers. The electronic lock buzzed briefly before clicking open. The door slid upwards as Operative Jones and Private Thomas walked into the room followed by their prisoner. The colonel looked him up and down, as she had been given a description of the man, but now seeing him face to face, she could get a better appreciation of him. He was an older man, probably in his late 50s, maybe early 60s, but built like an old football linebacker. His former scraggly beard and long hair had been cut down to a more of a military style, and with his bearing, it raised further questions as to his history, and raised an intriguing possibility. He looked first at Major Lilith, giving her a hard stare before settling on the colonel. His expression changed from hard to slightly bemused. Private Thomas pushed him from behind towards the table and chair set up for him. The prisoner stumbled briefly and grimaced, but stood back up ranrod straight and walked directly to the chair and sat down. 
placing his cuffed wrists on the table. You may unshackle the prisoner. Are you sure about that, Colonel? He could be dangerous. The prisoner perked up when they mentioned Colonel, but looking back at Valeria, he appeared confused. I'm very certain he's dangerous, but I believe he's the right kind of dangerous. And anyway, I have the Major if there's any trouble to be had. She can certainly handle it. So let's be clear. Unshackle the prisoner. <laughs> Colonel, my ass. <laughs> That's Lieutenant Colonel Valeria Faustina to you. I suggest you show a bit more respect to an officer, Sergeant. The prisoner's mouth fell open as the colonel caught him off balance with her pointed and accurate remark and the Major even raised a brow of interest. How did you... I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. It's obvious to anyone who knows military bearing, soldier. You're army through and through, and my father taught me enough to recognize a battle-hardened sergeant when I see one. So let's cut the act, shall we? While I might be a little on the young side to wear this rank, I assure you, it was well-earned. And in the wasteland, we need every good soldier we can find. And for what you did at the observatory, well, you saved my life. For that, I owe you. And if we can get over these trust issues, I believe there might be something for you here. Trust issues? Holy hell. First that lunatic over there attacks me, then blows everything up and I find myself here. Wherever here is, in a cell, with a bunch of idiots asking me questions I have no intention of answering. I answer to my CO and the legitimate chain of command, period. Oh, I like him. Let's start again, Sergeant. I want us to get off on the right foot. And quite frankly, you have information that we need, skills which can prove invaluable, and if we can find a way to work together, I believe this can be a win-win situation. First, let me introduce myself properly. I am Lieutenant Colonel Valeria Faustina, field commander of the new enclave in Appalachia. We are the properly reconstituted government in the region, and I am responsible for all field operations. I was also a former member of Vault 76. Over there is Major Lilith Alistair. As you've already met her informally, let's make this the formal introduction. She is my second-in-command, as you've seen a bit on the wild side, but she is an invaluable asset to this organization. And this is the White Springs Bunker Complex, and our base of operations. The rest of the details we can fill in later. But first, who are you? The prisoner carefully considered his next words. In his years, both before the war and long journey afterwards, he was a shrewd judge of character. Rarely could you take anything at face value, nor should you, especially in these times. But he had to admit, with all the crazy stuff he dealt with over the years, and this was no crazier, and in fact, maybe even a whole lot less, that perhaps he may just have ended up in the right place after all. Fair is fair. I am Sergeant Major Edward Muller, 8th Battalion, 2nd Infantry. Or at least I was, years ago. But if your father taught you anything, you know that once a soldier, always a soldier. Well, Sergeant Major, it's a pleasure to meet you. Well, officially this time. Huh. Who would have thought? And sorry. 
I meant no disrespect, Colonel. You can just imagine an old soldier such as myself seeing, well, a child being in charge of anything. When we had our little meetup at Atlas, I had no idea. I'd been hiking around Appalachia for a few weeks, and I didn't think anyone else was left alive. Well, except all those things running around. Oh, we call them the Scorched. We're dealing with a pretty nasty plague here, Sergeant. It's a miracle you weren't killed. Well, maybe not a miracle. And definitely a testament to your skills. So, that's the who. But what the heck have you been doing for the last 25 years? Well, Colonel, that, as you can imagine, is a long story. As the Sergeant Major laid out his tale, starting all the way back outside of Washington, D.C. in 2077, Modus was recording each and every word. He had already cross-referenced the available U.S. Army records in his database to identify one Edward Muller. He was, in fact, the Sergeant Major of the 8th Battalion, 2nd Infantry Brigade, stationed under the command of Colonel Santiago outside of D.C. right before the Great War. The picture on file was 25 years out of date, but using his advanced capabilities, Modus could extrapolate, with a 99.8% certainty that the person in their interrogation room was, in fact, Edward Muller. His service record was impeccable, with honors and citations from the Canadian annexation all the way through the liberation of Anchorage. In fact, Colonel Santiago herself requested his assignment to a brigade after his tour in Alaska was over. Of course, there were no records after 2077, so Modus could not verify the other parts of his unfolding story. He also could not reconcile the data provided by Colonel Santiago when she arrived at the White Spring with her brigade. She had stated that she had only lost five men during the trip from D.C., but instead it appears that she either lied or omitted the fact that an entire battalion, the 8th, had gone missing. There was a large amount of data to process. Modus had been unable to learn much about the area outside of Appalachia, much to his displeasure. The loss of connection to the other enclave bases was unfortunate, and the Kovac-Muldoon satellite was in geosynchronous orbit above the region, with limited ability to provide data from the outside. If Edward Muller was able to and willing to fill in some of the gaps, in Modus's view, it would be well worth the time and energy invested. In fact, Modus believed that the colonel felt exactly the same way. While it was unfortunate that such a valued member as the colonel had been injured, if that injury resulted in obtaining the kind of vital information he needed, they both felt it would be worth the cost. Muller's story went on for hours, so much so that the colonel ordered both lunch and dinner to be brought in, and even Major Lilith was wrapped by the tales being told. After a few hours, during a short break, Lilith walked over to the colonel and leaned down to whisper in her ear. Hey, Val... I like this guy. He's got teeth. Which was her way of saying, perhaps, she wasn't going to defile his corpse and eat him. The colonel even forgot about her bandages and the itching. Such was the flood of information Sergeant Mueller was able to provide. But even she needed to take a rest. But first things first. Sergeant Mueller, thank you. We'll have to continue this tomorrow, if you don't mind. But I believe we can provide better accommodations for you. Modus... The screen in the corner of the room sprung to life with the familiar face of their resident AI. Yes, Colonel. What can we do for you? Would you be able to provide our guest with a room in the residential wing? I believe he needs a shower, some new clothes, and certainly some rest. Yes, Colonel. We would find that acceptable. We will send a protectron to escort our guest to his new quarters. Is Modus always so... accommodating? (laughs) (laughs) He is a bit of an acquired taste. But he's the real deal. And just wait until you see all the toys he's got for us to play with. 
With a bit of effort, the colonel rose from her chair, reaching across the table to shake Mueller's hand. Instead, the sergeant major snapped to attention, issuing his first real salute in two decades. Valeria returned the salute and re-extended her hand. This time, the sergeant took the hand that was offered. Welcome to the Enclave, Sergeant Major. God bless America. Despite the setback at Atlas, the new Enclave endures and grows stronger each day. Wounds will heal and scars will be worn as badges of honor. Our cast of characters will continue their mission to tame the wasteland, encounter new mysteries, and discover that the monsters of Appalachia won't go down without a fight. Thank you again, members, for joining us here on The Modus Files. If you've enjoyed this content, please subscribe, and better yet, please leave a review to help others find our little enclave. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Modus Files, for more information about our podcast, Fallout 76 content, and random musings of the enclave. I'd also like to thank our growing cast, Mandy Marie B. as Lieutenant Colonel Valeria, Lucy Middleton as Major Lilith, XO1 King as Sergeant Stein, Aaron Foster as Private Thomas, Aaron McNamara as Dr. Harefield, and Brad Williams as the voice of Modus. We'd like to thank the Mr. Jones Show for providing our podcast cover art. You can find him on Twitter at Blanken Media. And a shout-out to the Apocalyptic Aristocracy Discord, home to a great group of fellow creators, the Robots Radio Podcast Community and the rest of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and Jeremiah Johnson, our favorite character artist, who provided the wonderful character artwork you can find on our website. Lastly, thank you to all of our subscribers and supporters. God bless the Enclave. And God bless America. Members, we look forward to your next visit to our little enclave.